Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on our show, we have the incredible Chuck Bergman, who is a retired police officer from Salem, Massachusetts, currently living in Middleburg, Florida. He's the author of two books, The Everything Guide to Evidence of an Afterlife, and his autobiography, The Psychic Cop. Chuck is a third-generation medium who recognized his ability to communicate with the spirit world from the age of six. He has assisted numerous law enforcement agencies across the country in their ongoing murder investigations. The Biography Channel and A&E's Psychic Search Pilot featured Chuck assisting with a missing persons case in Jacksonville, Florida. The detectives, who had been working on the case for six years, had hit a dead end. With only one day of taping, Chuck could provide enough information that the case was reclassified from missing person to murder. Airing the show resulted in the case being closed. Chuck has been profiled on A&E, the Biography Channel, and many TV specials. He has been the guest on many national radio shows, including Coast to Coast AM and Caravan to Midnight. For more information about Chuck, you can visit his website at chuckbergman.com. And without further ado, I'm very excited to say Chuck Bergman, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you very much, Sandra. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this. I think we've been uh, working on setting this up for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I'm glad it's finally here. I'm looking forward to the interview. Me too, and I have just a gigantic smile on my face because I was on your website and I saw that 20-minute episode from the Biography Channel about that missing persons case, and just phenomenal. And to be able to capture that on tape is, is really incredible. I'll tell you, there were things on there. Uh, if I had my way with the editors, <laughs> uh, they wouldn't be walking around without a limp right now. I, I was pretty. There were amazing things that they kept chopping out and chopping out because they said we can't put that in. No one will believe it. And, oh, what kind of things? Uh, I, I know the listener has not yet uh, seen it, but can you- well, well, there was a scene where when I uh, first arrived at the home, you know, uh, we've got a family uh, in another community. And I knew nothing at all about uh, what the case was about. So the uh, producers let me know at the, you know, just before I met the family, they said their son has been missing for uh, six years. And I've, I would never just go into a family and assume that this person is deceased because that may not be the case. Right. You know, maybe they just got fed up with things and they're in Aruba, you know, surfing the waves and having a great time and, and maybe they're going to come home someday. And now you've committed to hurting the family. And to me, it's just not a responsible thing. So I've got my own format. The format is I want to see if I can connect with the spirit of their loved one. And then by doing that, I have to give validations that are so off the charts that there would be no doubt right. uh, that I'm connecting with them. And even then, I, then I would be a little hesitant to say your loved one is deceased. You know, I I always want more and more and more, and then I finally reach a point where I can say there's no question in my mind. And what I got on this one was pretty remarkable. Which this is the part they chopped out. Um, I tried to explain to the family what I you know why I was there and how I work and all that. And I knew I had a 
pretty big obstacle because when I explained that I was a medium, they said, well, what's that? I said, so it's kind of like the show, you know, John Edwards crossing over. Have you seen that show? No. <laughs> I said, okay, how about the show ghost whisperer by James Van Prague? And, uh, you know, hopefully they've seen that one and no, but then I thought now I can put the, uh, I can play my ACE card. I'm sure you've heard of Sylvia Brown. No, sir. Who's that? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, my work was cut out for me. You know, they, they're just not into this stuff and I, you know, I can appreciate that. So anyway, I pointed out, I pointed to the daughter and I said, your brother's here. I feel like he is in spirit, but we have to test a few things first. I said, as you're sitting there, I see, uh, you know, children circling you. It's making me feel like perhaps you're a school teacher, maybe second or third grade. And she said, yeah, I teach third grade. And, you know, I, I obviously know nothing about this family at all. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, your brother was with you yesterday, and I don't understand this. If you're teaching third graders, your brother in spirit heard you say a certain word, a term, that I have a hard time believing that you that he's accurate, that you would have used the word. And the word is halitosis. And she says to me, well, yeah, one of the children, went, and this is all on video, one of the children went across the hall to borrow something from the teacher, came back and in front of the whole class said, oh, my gosh, Mr. Smith has really, really bad breath. Now, children, we call that halitosis. Mm. <laughs> now, to me, that's that's a knock. You know, you knocked it out of the park at that stage. Sure. And I'll never forget the cameraman. His name was Patrick. You know, I think it's from California. He was doing a low shot, you know, shooting upward at me. And when she confirmed it and said, you know, it happened yesterday, he lowered the camera. I was pointing at his feet now. He's looking at me with that look on his face like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just kind of took a little break there and said, hey, this is what it's all about. This is how we prove it. But even with the detectives, they were, I'm sure they were suspicious. Like, how would he come up with something she did in a classroom yesterday um, but it, but it did happen. So to me, this assignment I'm doing in life right now is a very important one. You got to be very careful with it. And I would opt for telling a family, I'm not really sure if your loved one's dead or alive before I'm going to commit just on a whim. It, it's a very responsible state to go into a, a situation, especially with missing persons and draw a conclusion that you're not really positive about. Yeah, probably better to be honest about that too, because there was—I don't remember what uh, psychic was on the news, but had said somebody was deceased and they were really alive, and it just ruined their credibility, or impacted it anyways. Uh, Chuck, while we're on the subject of um, this video, you want to share a little bit about what happened in that case, because I—I found it so incredible, even though you know they edited it, but I mean, still pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, there were a few things they chopped out that. Uh, really would have made, if, if I could tell you what was going on behind the scenes, you would really, really appreciate the things that happened in there. But, um, you know, bottom line is, uh, I remember at one point, I, you know, I was trying to describe the area where the body could be located. And I looked at the detective and I said, uh, this has something to do with like a horse name to it, the location, the area. And he came up with a term that I'd never heard before, boggy something pony lane or whatever it was mm -hmm. that totally matched what I was trying to say. 
So then we came up with the idea, even though it was like a hundred miles away, let's travel there and see what, you know, see what I could find. And we go to the scene and I think you, you probably like the point where first we went to one spot and I said, this doesn't fit at all. Uh, so we went to a different spot and let me back up because a very critical thing happened here. I was, uh, the night before the uh, A&E crew showed up at my house, you know, I went to bed, obviously a little, a little nervous, wasn't sure. They had two crews coming, one from New York, one from California. And, you know, when we went to bed, I got to admit, I was kind of nervous. And four o'clock in the morning, I was awakened to a man standing next to my bed, staring at me. And I opened my eyes. And the funny thing is, you know, I'm single, I live alone. I wasn't frightened, and yet there's a man standing there with a, you know, very hefty-looking guy with a sportsman's-type outdoorman's uh, jacket on, plaid jacket, and he was all wet. Hmm. And, and I just opened my eyes, and I'm looking at him, and he says, I want you to know I'm going to help you in the morning. My best friend murdered me in a swampy area, and he removed my body, and he used the word so he could dissect me. Oh, man. So I'm thinking, at least I've got something to work with tomorrow. I can go into it with a little confidence that this person is not only going to help me, but he is in spirit. So now you got to understand when I'm getting things like halitosis from him and different things that he's proving to the family that it's him around. Uh, when we went to the area, uh, we were cert they kind of misguided me and took me to an area that was not where the body would be found. And after probably 15 minutes, I stopped. And then I remembered what he had told me at 4 o'clock in the morning, that his buddy had murdered him in a swampy area. So I said, you know what? We're on high ground. I want to go to lower ground where I'm going to find a swamp. And the detectives already knew where I wanted to be. So now they accommodate. You know, we went down to the swampy area. Once we, we got to the swampy area, oh, the part I missed with uh, – with Terry in my bedroom, as he turned to walk away, his the his back was um, he was wet, but he had red clay mud going down the back of his head and his back, you know, all the way down. And I asked him, I said, "Why do you have the mud and clay on you?" And it was kind of weird, without moving his mouth or anything, as he's walking through the wall to leave, he said, "I was pulled out of a swamp and over a hump." of clay and mud. That's why you're seeing that. So when we went down to the swampy area at right at the edge of the swamp was a huge mound made of clay and mud. And I'm going, Oh wow. And something made me want to stand on top of it. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I asked the, uh, that's when I asked the detective, I said, did you use cadaver sniffing dogs in this area? And he goes, yes, we did. I said, how did they respond? He said, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah. And I'm sure you remember that in the video. Yeah. They sniffed positive right where you're standing. And I was on that mound. You know, and I think someone with a little inexperience may assume that the body would be underneath the mound. But you got to pay attention. And to me, the message was his friend pulled him out and actually transported him to his home almost 100 miles away. And that's where the body was uh you know, actually burned in a burn barrel. Mm. And just for our listener right now, when you go to chuckbergman.com, uh, I'll even have a link for that on we don't die radio.com on Chuck's episode number 128. But when you see it, this will all 
makes sense. It, the video is just 20 minutes long and it's fantastic. And even, Chuck, that you saw a light blue truck with some kind of a box on the back that the body got transported in. You know, you saw that in your mind's eye and and that proved to be true. And I mean, even though I know they edited it and all that stuff, it, it was still good enough for me <laughs> to realize <laughs> you're the real deal. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, and that's what they do. So you they do, and I give them credit. They didn't try to uh, have me hype anything, or you know, we kept it straight. And I, I, like I said, man, if there were things that were allowed to talk about publicly, I would, but I mm-hmm. can't. No, I and there was a lot behind that particular case. So you know, well, good yeah. job. Yeah, really good. And it, it just also shows you're a credible person. You were a police officer for 32 years, correct? Yes, I love that. Um, how about giving us a little bit of your backstory? I know I had seen um, that you wanted to be a policeman at an early age. You want to just share a little bit about your backstory and when you started figuring out that there's another world and psychic abilities and life after death is real. Tell us some yeah. stories, Chuck. All right. My, my, <clears throat> what I believe was one of my very first experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing in the backyard over, you know, in Jacksonville, Florida, um, my mom was inside the house and I was trying to make a police uniform. You know, we had a, a two car garage in the backyard and that was going to be my headquarters and I had everything all set up and I was making a little gun belt and everything, which worked out pretty good. Uh, then I went in the house and out of aluminum foil, I made a little badge to put on my chest. So now you got to understand I'm in the backyard all alone, pinning the badge on and as soon as I'd start moving around, it would fall off. The badge would fall off. You know, it kept falling off. So um, pretty much out of nowhere, it was like a very calming, clear, precise voice. And he just said, don't cry. One day you'll be wearing a real badge. Wow. And um, I believe they portrayed that in the beginning of Psychic mm-hmm. Search, you know, the TV show. And that truly happened that way. Of course, I went in and told mom about it, and she's saying, oh, you know, well, first she ran out to see if there were, you know, a man in the backyard that shouldn't be there, and uh, obviously there was no one, and she sat me down, talked to me to me about the whole thing, and just said, it's just your imagination, you didn't really hear a voice, and all that. The funny thing is, um, you know, many years went by, I had very little involvement with mediumship or psychic abilities or any of that. And then all of a sudden, it was just like someone turned on a light switch. Um, I started feeling when people would die. It's like, oh, wow, someone died, and it's like 2.30 in the afternoon. And uh, I had one where it was actually confirmed, which was almost, I'd say it was a little scary when it happened. But I was in Maine on my way to uh, Massachusetts, where I lived. And while I'm driving the car, I remember turning to my wife and saying, wow, something strange just happened. What time is it? She goes, 2.30. It's funny how the technical side kicks in all the Mm -hmm. time just for proof purposes or whatever. Right. I said, just remember I'm telling you this. I said, an older woman just passed away, and don't panic. It's not your mom. It's not a family member. It's on the idea of one of my friend's moms or your friend's mom, something like that. And she's got a message, and I really feel it doesn't apply to me. Maybe it applies to you. She's saying, take the day off. Thank you anyway. Hmm. And my wife's looking around. She said, the next exit that shows a hospital sign on it, 
why don't you take get off the highway because I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're losing it. So she was having a little fun with it. And when, you know, when we go home, there was only one uh, message on her answering machine and it was her best friend calling to talk to my wife. She said, I know you and Chuck uh, are in Maine, but when you get home, would you mind giving me a call? Mom just passed away and they're coming to, re- you know, take the body out of the house. And it would be really nice if you could come over and sit with me for a little while. And then when you hang up the phone, it says message received at. 2.30 p.m. It's yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. So that, And then I found out that, you know, this was be- just before Christmas. And the following day, my wife had agreed to sit with this lady while her daughter went Christmas shopping. So that was the message. Take the day off. Thank you anyway. But, you know, Sandra, I don't just um, take this lightly. I remember sitting down and going, okay, if this is accurate information, I don't understand how a woman could leave her body, find me on an open highway with tons of other traffic. How would she know I'm even going to receive the message? And how did she know to make herself visible? See, I'd never seen the light. I didn't know what she looked like. Uh So when I saw her like a hologram of her in the windshield, I had no idea. So I got to admit to me, it was like a, a puzzle. It was like, what's going on now? Why, how would I even know that this lady is going to pass away? So within a week's time, I would say everything just started happening to me. And in fact, even meeting James Van Prague in person uh, happened. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, we're, we're friends to this day. In fact, he has me on his website as a practitioner. Great. And I, I've gone to see him many, many times, never been disappointed. It's always uh, like a learning ability, you know, a learning mm-hmm. session mm-hmm. to see how he handles the crowd and the spirits that he's working with and um, he, he's an amazing man and he's been my mentor and I have to admit it, it, he calmed me down at times when I would say, you know, people are giving me a hard time. They may, they're laughing at me. They're telling me I can't do it. And he pretty well walked me through it and had me up on stage and doing all kinds of stuff with it. That's incredible. Did this first or these things happen when you saw the lady in her, um, windshield was that when you were before you were a police officer or during you know it was during i think i would say it was around 30 maybe 30 at that time and Hmm. uh i'd had little deja vu things happen like everyone else but that was really out of character for me and and it's funny because i would say two days later i woke up at four o'clock in the morning and it was like i'd put my finger in an electric socket because i'm buzzing 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 like something's happening something's happening and i don't know what it is uh, then my wife woke up and said, what are you doing now? And I said, I got to tell you, someone we know just passed away. It's an elderly gentleman, but now he's not dead. I said, I don't understand this. And I, you know, I did. I, I truly thought that I was going crazy. So anyway, we get a telephone call around 7 in the morning. Uh, and she, My wife was a nurse. And one of the nurses who should have had the day off, she called in and said, hey, on your way in, would you mind stopping and getting me a coffee? I'm not supposed to work this morning, but uh, my dad had a heart attack this morning at four in the morning. And when I went into the bedroom, he wasn't breathing. And I did CPR on my dad, called the ambulance, and now he's in ICU. Wow. So here you go again. I'm waking up at a corresponding time of his death. And to me, the big question is, why would he find my house, which he's never been to, 
and, and let me know that he just passed away. And, you know, it just wasn't adding up. Why are they all coming to me? Why are they seeking me out? But I thought that was pretty wild where I'd even said to my wife, you know, he, uh, he's, he died, but now he's not dead. And I never thought of CPR bringing him back. So, right, right. you know, when you have things like this put in your face, you can't ignore it. It's wrong to ignore it. Were you somebody, Chuck, who believed in life after death prior no. to all this happening? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no. What did you think happened? About I thought my, my best analogy would be the uh, ever-ready uh, bunny. You know, when those batteries die, you're not going anywhere until you put new batteries in. You're you just know? done. You're done. You're finished. You're nothing. You're vapor, you know. But now I'm impressed with the the way not only do they uh, do you get to retain your memories and love and everything that's happened when you were in the body, but you actually get to be around people and talk to them or see them and, and try and get their attention. That's amazing. I'm just fascinated with the whole process. And and I'm, I was at school. I believe that when it happens to me, when it's my turn to go and, you know, I've got two daughters and a son, then, yeah, I'm going to come back and, and hopefully the things I've taught them, the energy that I did put into them, I'll be able to see it at work and then kind of know, did I, do, did I bring them up the right way or not? That's really cool. Um, so let me ask you, so you started putting these pieces of the puzzle together, right? And I love that things started happening fast because, you know, I, I always assumed either you were born as a medium and you had it or um, if you d- could develop it, develop it, it would take years. And it just, it seems like things started happening pretty quickly to you, which is encouraging, right? Very, very. I could have used it all those years, too, had I known I had the ability. Yeah. And then um, did you talk about it while you were on the, the force, or did, you, or did you keep it kind of secret? You know, I, I, um, my favorite story in the book is uh, after, like I said, within a short time, uh, there was a process of things that happened, and I ended up meeting uh, James Van Prague in the following town, you know, in Peabody, Massachusetts, I had a book signing and I just finished reading talking to heaven by James Van Prague. Mm -hmm. So I ended up through a freaky thing, ended up going over to the, uh, the book signing. And when it was time to have my book signed by, by James, I was the last one in line. I want, I wanted to know that he didn't have a long line behind me. So if you go first and anyone listening, this is a good tactic. If you go last, you're around him while they're, you know, break thanking you and everything's all over, but you're standing in a pretty good area, you know? Mm-hmm. So here I am, last one in line, and he signs the book for me. And he, I forget what kind of, oh, I, when I took a photograph of him, he liked my camera, the Nikon camera, and he goes, oh, you're a news reporter. Well, one of the detectives who was a bodyguard on either side of uh, James said to me, uh, um, said to James, no, he's a police officer in Salem. And James says, oh, I love Salem. I've always wanted to go to Salem, the witch city. Mm-hmm. I said, well, James, would you mind? And I reached in my back pocket and I had taken our uh, shoulder patch. And I said, would you mind holding up the patch, which has a witch riding a broomstick on it? Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> very different from most of the patches around the country. So he's holding it up, took a picture, and he said, um, would I email him a copy of it because he'd like to put the patch on his website? I said, sure, I'd love to. He says, wait a minute, is your mother from England? I said, yes. And he goes, well, your mother is talking to my mother. And when I woke up this morning, she told me that a special person would be here today. And she was saying something about 
police or patch or whatever. And I didn't understand it until now. So it was at that moment he gave me his card and a private website at the time to go on. And actually, he had a, one of the first chat rooms I've ever heard of. And I could chat back and forth with James. So um, it kind of it did great. start a, a, a bit of a relationship where he kept pushing me and encouraging me. And I actually, if you can imagine early on giving James Van Prague a reading, that was, that's like trying to tell jokes to Don Rickles, you know, it's <laughs> something that, you, you know, was a little way intimidating. Uh huh. But I bet you did great, didn't you? You know, I did. And anyone listening, you know, if you've got the ability, I got to tell you, you just have to be brave with it. And my attitude was, was the few friends I had that were into this and interested in it. I thought, you know, I'm going to give James the reading. He told me if, if I succeed, he would have me read his secretary or maybe someone else. And if I pull it off, he would put me on his website as a practitioner, mm-hmm. you know, um, which would be a big boost. So my, you got to go into it with the right attitude. And my attitude is even if I get nothing right, even if I fail miserably and he says, Chuck, you're not ready. I can still tell my friends that I gave James Van Prague a reading. I don't have to tell them how badly I did. I'll right. just tell them I gave him a reading. So I'm trying to say the, to me, the attitude was everything and I blew his doors off. He loved the reading. Then I read his uh, private secretary and she was more than happy with it. She loved it. They put me on the website, but it had kind of a, a backfire to it because I would say about a week later, I got called into the chief's office and as he's sitting at his desk, I could see his computer monitor reflection in the window behind him. And it was James Van Prague's website. <laughs> so oh, I knew no. I knew why he called me into the office. And then, he, you know, he had a good point. He said, uh, you know, you're carrying a gun and you're hearing voices. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this could be a little problem with a court case, you know. And I said, not really. I said, look at this. And I point to the arm patch with the witch riding a broomstick. <laughs> it's kind oh, of appropriate, right. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know. But anyway, we made the agreement, and at the time, I had just gone from patrol to working inside and, you know, plain clothes, working uh, in special operations, and my primary uh, assignment was the IT person for the computer, computers in the building. Okay. So I was okay with it. I thought, you know, what's it going to hurt? And the agreement was uh, I could do what I wanted after work, but I couldn't use the Salem Police logo or name and keep it low, you know, low key. and. I did everything but the low key, I guess. So many, uh, many officers would come to me for readings, uh, even at my home that set it up where they'd come to me. But the funny thing is it was always with the agreement that I not tell anyone that they came for the reading. They didn't want to admit that, you know, they were part of what I was doing. I can understand that. I, you know, I never wanted to be thought of as one of those people. And I think there's a lot of people that are, we're just hiding out, you know, but we're interested a lot more people than you know. Oh, I had, believe me, I gave readings that I was even shocked at, at the stuff I would give out. But uh, then I'd learn later that certain ones that I gave some very, very serious readings to were actually behind my back making fun of me, you know. So I guess you got to you gotta have tough skin and, and just go with it. Um, I reached a point where certain things were proven that I was connecting with the other side, then then I don't have to prove it to everyone else. I have to pr- only prove it to myself and then make a decision. Do I want to walk this path or not? And my attitude now is if I could 
wipe all this out and just have Chuck be like everyone else out there, I'd be bored to death. I really would. I'd be bored to death. So I'm glad I took this path. Yeah. How long has, when did you do that reading on James Van Prague that, you know, you started doing readings? We're going back over 50, uh, probably 20 years ago. Wow. That's a good long while. It was. And it was, in fact, the story, uh, and how I got to meet him was, was again, it was like planned. Uh, one of the female officers that I worked with, uh, came to my office right after her dad had died, who was a police officer in the surrounding town. And she was talking to me and then she says, hold on, I got something for you. And she opened her pocketbook and brought out the book talking to heaven. Mm-hmm. She said, after dad died, someone gave me this book and they thought that I would, uh, you know, like, it. and you got to understand at that moment in my life, nothing. I hadn't, you know, wasn't the woman on the highway, the hologram lady, nothing had happened at that point. And she's holding the book talking to heaven she said, I thought it was creepy. I want you to have it. <laughs> wow, what are you trying to tell me here? You know. <laughs> so bottom line, I started reading it that night, and I never do this. I read that book in two nights and really blown away. And I'll have to admit, James was like my hero. It's like, wow, this guy's amazing. Look what look at look at the stories in here. And it kind of it just felt right when I read it. So the next thing you know, I'd say about a week later, I had locked up the office, went out got in my car, started the engine in the middle of a big snowstorm. And in the hologram area of my windshield, again, I saw James Van Prague's website. And something told me, go up, turn your computer on, and look at the website. Uh And I did. And I couldn't believe it. It said, James Van Prague, Peabody, Massachusetts, 5 o'clock to 7, 7 o'clock or whatever, book signing. I went, you got to be kidding. I went, I went, um, Went to the book signing. That's how I met James. And after the book signing, I would say maybe a week or two later, we'd set it up where I'd get a a phone reading from James. So he starts the reading and he says, oh, I see your dad's here. And I'm going, oh, great. Get to hear from my dad. He gave 35 items that did not make any sense at all. Absolutely did not. 35, okay. 35, I wrote everything down on my legal pad. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I had the reading in my office at the police station because I wanted silence. I wanted to be left alone when I did the, Mm -hmm. when the, when I did the reading with him. So I, I wrote everything down very carefully. And he's saying, you know, the problem was dad died down here in Florida. I'm up in Massachusetts and you've got New Hampshire, Maine, all the mountains and all that. And James is saying, oh, I see your dad died in a uh, log cabin on a lake. And they found him in a sleeping bag. Wow. I said, no, there's no mountains in Florida. And uh, he was in a hospital bed. You know oh, what I mean? okay. <laughs> so that's make, wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. trying to show you how far off everything was. Uh-huh. And he said, your dad loves the wall of honor you, that, that we put up in his honor. And I said, James, uh, not really. I said, I've barely got photographs of my dad. Um, but that does I was really polite, which a person should be because what's happening at the moment may not make sense, but then, you know, everything could take a turn for the better during mm-hmm. a reading. So always just go with the flow and hope that the connection will get stronger and stronger. But we ended with him apologizing, saying he's sorry and all that, that, you know, just didn't work. And then of course I'm looking at it thinking this guy can't communicate with the dead. You know, why is he doing this? So I was really upset. And, uh, the next morning, the first one to come into my office was the girl, the officer that gave me the book, Talking to Heaven, that, you know, led me to meet James and all that. 
And she saw the list on the pad on my desk. She said, oh, wow, did you have that reading with James last night? I said, yeah, but it didn't go very well. Every item on there was her dad. No kidding. Every item. They found him in their lake home in a cabin in a sleeping bag. And she said, wow, just last week we took a wall and put dad's handcuffs, his hat, uh, pictures of him in his police car, and we call it the Wall of Honor. Wow. And I had chills. I said, what? I said, you know, I, you know, every item on there, we checked it off, and it was it was her dad coming through because remember when she said to me, um, here, I thought you would like this book. I think it's creepy. Mm-hmm. She wasn't ready for a reading, and her dad wanted her so bad. I think he may have orchestrated some of this stuff where I saw the James Van Prague uh, website, you know, in my mind's eye, and then went to uh, go to the book signing and all that. So she, um, I would say her and her dad played a very big role in it, you know, and kind of motivated me to stay with it. I love that you shared that. I, I get, I've gotten a lot of emails from people that have had what we call bad readings. And I try to say, okay, you know, you might not be on the same vibration or it could have something to do with energy or, you know, trying to look for reasons. And even myself, I had had a reading with a guy and he gave like oodles of information, but 90% of it was wrong. So oh. I was disappointed. But the things that he said were right. Like um, my dad died. Uh, he was in a, a hospital last couple weeks of his life and he was in a nursing home but i'd given him one of those electric candles that you battery operated oh yeah just to make the room bright and give it a little ambiance at night because it was real dark and gave a little special flair to you know a very dismal situation so it was just always that that special thing about the candle well sure enough this medium picked up on the candle right so i'm like nobody could think of that you know this you know, so I, I knew he was onto something, but it never occurred to me that that information could have been for somebody else. Never. And I, and I just put him in my mind like, no, oh, he was okay, but not great. You know, and of course, you know, I, I know he's a good medium, but, um, it's interesting to think that maybe when we can say that something's incorrect, it just might not be for us. That's Absolutely. Cool. That's really worth, I'm glad you said that. Oh, yeah, there, there's so much I've learned about it, you know, a positive attitude. And I was very polite to James. And I'm the kind of guy, the first thing I did when she confirmed everything, as soon as she left the office, called his secretary. And she says, oh, yeah, James felt really bad about your reading last night. And he's hoping that he'll hear from you again. Hmm. I said, well, give him this message. He's awesome. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I told her how everything was supposed to happen the way it did. And the messages were for someone that I worked with. No, that's great. That's really good. Um, where should we go from now, uh, from here? So what do you want to talk about? Um, you know, there was one more with the same person mm-hmm. I want to bring up because, sure. um, like I said earlier, when you do, especially if you get into the more serious stuff, like is it suicide or is it murder? Those are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Missing persons. Uh, you got to be careful what you give people. And the first time I picked up on that was was kind of wild. The same female officer sat with me, and she said, hey, uh, can you connect with my dad? I just want to know, you know, we'd love to have a child, my husband and I, and nothing's happening. We're taking classes, and I don't know. Am I ever going to have children? And I laughed, and I said, it's funny. As soon as you said that, I saw your dad standing next to you, chest out, 
proud grandfather, father, and he's got a baby cradled in his left arm, and it's a baby boy wrapped in blue, clear as a bell. But he's got another one on the on the right arm, wrap, baby wrapped in blue. You know, so logic is going to tell you twin boys. Mm-hmm. And I said, so that's I'm just telling you that's what I just saw. And I hope it's accurate. Anyway, about a month later, she comes in all excited that she's pregnant. Uh, nine months later, has a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. Now, I know grandfather said two, but who would have predicted that this uh, officer's sister got pregnant at the same time and also had a baby boy? Oh. And I found, see, what I mean about, I love critiquing, getting information out of stuff that happens and learn from it. To me, it's better than a book. It's like a treasure hunt. You know, I like that idea. You're right. Yes, it is. And what a treasure it is. And and I'll be honest, the whole time, I'm just praying that she'll even get pregnant, let alone two boys. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to tell her, yeah, you're going to get pregnant. And she doesn't, you know, I, I, I don't want that. But I, I have to admit, I know what I saw. And I know the difference between where spirit is putting a vision and where I'm putting my own visions. Yeah, incredible. Um. I want you to talk about your books a little bit, too. Would you do that? Sure. You have two. Which one came first? The Everything Guide to Everything Guide to Evidence of an Afterlife? Yes, that was the first one. And I okay. actually co-authored that with a friend of mine, Joe Higgins. Um, the Everything Guide, they do books on many different topics, like uh, you know how to make cookies, the Everything Guide to how to cut your own hair or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. they've got several out and when they contacted me it was certainly an honor but i had never written a book and joe higgins had so we made an agreement where they they split the contract between the two of us and we were allowed to produce the book you know i did like the book i i'm not one to get into some of the metaphysical uh state and all that so joe higgins did a lot of that Uh and another thing is religion and you know that's a a major topic when you talk about the afterlife for some reason and it's a topic, especially when I'm on talk shows or group readings or whatever, I try to avoid it. I feel like it has nothing to do with, with what, what people are thinking here. All it is is fact that when the energy exits the body, the body's useless, but the spirit is and the energy stays together as a unit and is functional and has memory and it has um, has this same abilities as in the body, but not as powerful in a way. So uh, I try not to bring religion into it that much. Too many people get confused. So there are sections about religion, uh, metaphysics, and stuff like that. And people like the book. Many people have, uh, you know, I've gotten good reviews on it. But I have to admit, the my favorite one was The Psychic Cop, where I got to lay it out, what it was like as a child when different things were happen, mm-hmm. happening. And then getting on the police department and to a point having people make fun of me. Of course. And laugh at me behind my back. You know, to walk down a hallway and you hear a group of cops behind you and they'll say, hey, Chuck, if you can hear a voice right now, it's okay. I'm talking to you. You Oh, gosh. Stuff like that. It's like, oh, thanks. You know, smart aleck. But uh, it, it was a challenge. And I have to admit, because I... I was very comfortable with what I could see and prove that I knew I was right. And I guess that's what it's all about. Boy, it's just a good testament to follow your heart. And no matter what people say, you know, I'm sure 
you have the confidence and the satisfaction that you went for it. I mean, even like you said, if you could have all that taken away, I mean, it'd be a boring life. You know, <laughs> it would. I look, I look at it that way, and uh, I know you're involved with sports and you know the race cars and. Mm-hmm. I got to admit, I, I've tried with buddies of mine to go to their home and sit and watch, you know, the Daytona 500 and mm-hmm. you know, chicken wings and beer and all that was fun. But I got to admit, I just couldn't get into the, my mind was constantly thinking about the afterlife, even while I'm watching that. So maybe that's why I couldn't get involved. Yeah. Well, I'm not involved as far as, um, I, I want it to be a safe race and I want, I'd like one of my teams to win. Um, if you haven't heard the show before, my day job is I'm a caterer for race car teams. Um, but I, I just enjoy taking care of people and I think that's my niche. Um, but again, you know, that's my vehicle for also sure. sharing about life after death and talking to people and hearing great stories. Uh, I had race car drivers who've had near death experiences that have shared their experiences, even crew members. Um, you know, one crew member had, I, I don't even remember it, the whole thing, but I remember that he had died and was resuscitated. Um, but while he was out of it, he was in an ambulance and he could actually read the name tag of the people that were working in the ambulance and after oh, the fact. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, of course he was floating around his body when his body was, um, you know, technically dead. I mean, just, but I hear these very personal stories from people that have never shared them before. Because again, people don't want others to think they're crazy, you know. So, you know, here I am with the food tent, yet I'm talking about life after death. So it gives <laughs> I love people that. I the that, I opportunity. Love yeah, exactly. Um, you and I just uh, spoke a couple of minutes um, before we started recording this, but you had mentioned about um, people in coma. Can you talk a little bit about that? I will. If they, if people listening promise not to turn this off and say, okay, now I've had it with this guy. He's crazy. No. <laughs> um, I am all about proof, as you know. You know, that's uh-huh. my deal. Uh, and, you know, I did computer programming back in the day. I'd written a checkbook program when, uh, before Quicken even came out, I had written one that I was using and printing out checks and ledgers and all that stuff. I had uh, written my own program to handle fatal accidents so that if a car had skidded on any given surface, you could come up with a minimum speed and and you did very minimal input and the computer program did all the work and gave a beautiful printout. And that's why I'm saying I've got that kind of an analytical mind. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me that when I get into this field, same thing's going to happen. And first time it happened, uh, I went into a nursing home and a lady who had been in a coma for five years and she couldn't communicate blinking her eyes or squeezing your fingers or sticking her tongue out once for yes, twice for no, or none of that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there was none of that with her, no communication at all. So we went in with her, the permission of her daughter and we're sitting there and I thought, I don't know how this is going to even work and what do I expect? And out of the blue, I heard the, the word angel, angel like that. I looked at the um, the daughter in the room, and I said, your mom just said angel. Why would she come up with that term, angel? Oh, angel, that's my uh, younger sister. That's her name, angel. Hmm. Oh, I get it. Knock at the door. The door opens, and here's angel, Wow. younger sister. But you know what that's telling me? Not only was it remarkable. So I got a double whammy there. Mom, who's in the coma, is sensing angel walking down the hall, getting ready to come in to visit mom. 
yet we're the ones that are not in a coma and we don't know that angel's walking down the hall that's pretty wild mm -hmm. and then i remember saying um hi angel you know i told her who i am and why i'm there and what i'm attempting to do for the very first time i said i want to tell you your mom's talking about you having a daughter and i wouldn't know that but you have a daughter and wow does she look like mom like your mom here and she said well funny you say that i was look going through a photo album this weekend with my daughter and everyone was saying, oh, my God, your daughter looks just like your mom. Wow. So that was pretty striking. I thought, you know, and maybe, good, you know, just a lucky yes or something. Mm -hmm. But the next st statement, I said, now you've got a son uh, also. Yes. And I believe I came out with his age first. I said, isn't he nine years old? Yes. Mom's telling me his birthday is February the 19th. And it was. Oh, that's pretty specific. I almost, uh, I almost like said, all right, I'm getting out of here. I, I can't stand it. But it was a sad case because with this woman, the family didn't, let me just reverse this. If that were my mom in the bed and Sandra, you came in and you're talking about my children and especially coming up with a birth date, mm -hmm. to me, it's time to stop everything. How are you doing this? How is my mom? Ask her how she feels. I would be all over it. I yes. would be so inquisitive and and so amazed at it but man i gotta be honest the family was saying uh eh, where are you guys gonna have lunch today it was like i wasn't even in the room it was wow it was sad it was just like i don't think they understand what's happening in the room so you know being the kind of person i am i had five six other opportunities to do this with people that were in comas um and one was really interesting where the uh, mom lived with the daughter and uh, was getting around okay on a walker and everything. Daughter hadn't gone on a date for uh, probably three or four years. So finally she goes on her, her, a date with someone. Mom's being left home alone. And when the daughter comes home, mom's not there, but there's a note from rescue that mom took a fall and was, you know, in ICU at the uh, hospital. Hmm. So anyway, and this is all happening within a, like a, a one-week period that I got involved because my younger sister knew the family really well. So anyway, um, mom's in the hospital in a coma, and they send her home basically under hospice to, to pass away. So I go in, and I sit with the lady, and uh, the daughter's all upset because she felt if she didn't go out on the date, mom would still be alive. You know, mom would still – would not be in a coma, rather. Right. So I start connecting, and the first thing I told her, I said, your mom's talking about lemon pie with the white powder on top, and I'm seeing one slice in a, you know, a, uh, aluminum tin with a cover over it. Mm -hmm. She said, let, let me show you. And, she, and this is the first thing I got from this lady, and I think she was like read number two, coma read number two for me. So she goes to the refrigerator and came out with that exact item. She said, mom had me buy this about two days you know, before I went out on the date. And I've been holding it for her because I felt that the last piece should have been hers. And when oh. she gets out of the coma, you know, I want her to have her lemon pie that she had me go to the store and purchase. So anyway, I start giving her information. I said, you're blaming yourself that if you didn't go on the date, mom wouldn't be in the coma. But she wants you to know she wanted to go long before this. She's kind of hurting and walking around is painful. And all she does is watch TV all day. She's loving it where she is now in the coma state because she can actually travel. She can see family members that have passed over. She's, she's enjoying being in the coma state. She doesn't want to come out of it. And, you know, many more things happened. I talked about their pets. I talked about different things. 
And the next day, I got a, a voicemail that when mom finally got to clear herself of all of this, that night she passed away in the home. Jeez. And that was like something right out of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only thing I regret is I wish I had videotaped it, recorded it, you know, audio or whatever, and I didn't. You know, there's no proof of it. But the daughter was certainly grateful. And, you know, I was coming out with things I had no way of knowing with this lady. And to me, she just had enough, wanted to leave. And this gave her the opportunity after talking to her daughter and Mm -hmm. saying, don't blame yourself. You know, at your age, you should be going out on dates. Wow. It's good enough proof for me. I mean, that's really, (laughs) really something. I mean, we are so much more powerful than we know. Do you have any... um, thoughts chuck about what the afterlife is or uh even you know what we're doing here on earth if i'm still puzzled by a lot of it i I mean i I can't even i can't even accept how a baby is born and you know has eyeballs that work and fingers that move right and a little smile that can pop up on the face you know to me all of it is so advanced i mean uh, I guess the best way, I mean, yeah, we're advancing with technology and everything, but someone said, show me a robot that can walk and chew gum at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. and we do that without batting an eye to show us how much more advanced we are than some of the electronics that we're finally building and getting into. Um, yeah, I, I have my different feel about it, but you know, one thing I, I haven't talked about here is when everything was happening and I was so interested and curious I started going to meditation two and three times a week. Okay. I even went to um, med- um, mediumship type classes where I could learn to connect with the afterlife. So I put my time in. I paid my dues, but I was I loved it. I was always intrigued by things that would happen, and I feel like I've got a very good handle on what it's going to be like when I do go to the other side. And it, I think it's far more beautiful and painless and. I'm going to love it. I'm not afraid to go. And those are powerful words when you say you're not afraid to die. Yeah, I've hit that place too. I started clearing out a lot of the junk in my house. Not that I'm planning to go, but, you know, one less thing to worry about, right? Um, Absolutely. But I don't want to suffer. I remember my grandmother always praying that she didn't suffer, but she wasn't afraid of dying. And I completely get it now. I do too. I really do. And I... People that are suffering, it's like um, you almost wonder, could they terminate a little quicker if they wanted to? The will to live, if it disappears, I feel you do leave. You do go to the other side. Mm, yeah, suffering is something that I think will be the first question when I meet the, the big guy in the sky or who was ever up there <laughs> waiting to greet me. Like, why does it have to hurt so bad sometimes? I mean, Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, one, of the, one where I really learned about exiting here, exiting the body here, and anyone listening who has had anyone uh, leave through blunt trauma, you know, force, uh, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, the biggest learning tool for me is to do a reading and hear what the spirits have to say. And I remember a lady came to my house and I had no idea why, you know, why, why the reading was being set up, but her husband was on the second plane to hit the world trade center. Oh. And he walked me through everything from that morning, what they did together to, um, him leaving a voicemail that even the FBI had to go to her house and retrieve it. And, block out, you know, looking for clues and tips and all that. I mean, things that I'd have no way of knowing were coming up about this. 
but I'll tell you the most intriguing part. He said the plane was flying low to the ground, banking left, and he could see like a river below them, probably the Hudson, and he knew they were banking left, but he thought they were just going to come in for a, a landing and uh -huh. they were just flying much too low. And he had a laptop, and back then not many people had a laptop. And I told the wife, I said, wow, he's typing everything in, the description of the hijackers, he's typing it all in. And then the next minute, everything is going down to the sidewalk. He said he looked up, and all he saw was everyone still strapped into their seats. They didn't feel anything. They didn't hear anything. But he felt a gentle rise upward. And everyone still, as far as he's concerned, the visual for him was everyone's floating upwards. Then the door opened by the cockpit, and all these people came toward them down the aisle. They had, he said there were three people assigned to each person on the plane. And the most scary part was he said they knew we were coming. They were ready for us. Another thing he said, they wow. were either like psychologists or had emergency uh, background training. Uh, they were well-suited to bring everyone on the plane over to the other side. Um, and like I said, I'm the kind of guy I like proof after I give a wife something like that about her husband. Sure. Uh, and I did want to ease her pain and everything. And I said, I don't know why I'm switching now from all this angel talk and it didn't hurt and all that. I'm sure you wanted to hear all that. But I don't know why he's doing this. He's sitting in a recliner. He's got his feet crossed. And in front of him is the largest big screen I've ever seen in my life. And she started laughing. She said, you know, I think the reading was on a Wednesday. She said, well, Monday I purchased a very big, big screen TV. They're going to deliver it on Friday. And every TV that they sell, you get a free recliner with it. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well your husband's already loving it. It's not even delivered yet. And she said, I was going to ask you at the end of the reading to ask my husband if I did the right thing buying that big screen TV or not. I said, He's already enjoying it. He loves the idea. I said, yeah, you did the right thing. It's not about the big screen TV. For him to show me that, and that's already in the works, and he's seeing her in real time and knows that she's waiting to have that thing delivered, and that's what he's showing me, now I know I can trust everything in front of it, about the angels, about yes. uh, three to one. Um, and by the way, it was only after that that I learned that angels do travel in groups of three. Interesting. Didn't know that. I didn't either at the time, but I've heard it uh, several times mentioned that angels travel in groups of three. So, Wow. It's, like you said, it's a learning process all the way through. I, and I believe that, that story, I think I named it 9-11 in the book, and it, it goes into a lot more detail. I love that story, though. You gave me chills to the bone <laughs> with that one. Can you believe all the stuff I've been fortunate in? I, I keep saying, why me? Why, why was I picked to, to get to witness all of this beautiful stuff? Because you're a good guy, you're credible, you care. Hmm. Let me ask you, Chuck, when you do a reading, do you have to take time to put yourself in the right zone? Or, you know, I think of watching episodes of the Long Island Medium, you know, she could be at a restaurant and <laughs> she picks up on something. <laughs> How does it work for you? Same way. I, I, I'm very funny, though. I feel... There's danger in just saying, "Hey, your your dead son is here. Your oh, dead yeah, mother is here." You know, I mean, you know, you get it. I don't care how delicate you are with it. You could put someone into a, you could freak them out at that moment. You got to be really delicate on on how you do it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I had one not too long ago, which, and I'll show you how finesse can work. And this is funny. I'm sitting at a, uh, I was at a steakhouse and I'm sitting in a booth. I've got the menu up. So I'm not seeing the waitress as she walks toward me. And all I hear is, can I take your order? And you know how you kind of jump because you're not, yeah. especially me. I don't know if it's a ghost. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I didn't see her coming. So I moved the menu to the right and in line, which should be between me and now looking at the waitress so I can make, give her my order. I'm being, my view is being blocked literally by a woman in spirit who's about nine inches away from my face. And I'm noticing she's got beautiful red hair, blue eyes, and kind of look like Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. Now, picture this. Here's the waitress looking at me. I'm seeing the blockage, so I can't see the waitress. So I lean to my left, way out of the booth, so I can look around the lady in spirit. And it worked. I can see her now. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I'll have blah, 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 blah. I order it. She's writing it all down. And when she's finished, she leans way to her right, mimicking what I did. Mm-hmm. To see what I mean about if the opportunity's there, you might want to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So I started laughing. I said, listen, I said, I don't usually tell people what I do, but there's a reason why I did that crazy maneuver and almost fell out of the, uh, you know, out of the seat when I did it. I said, there was someone blocking my view of you from the spirit world. I said, I'm a psychic medium, and I actually used the Long Island medium as an example. Mm-hmm. I said, and the lady blocking my view had beautiful red hair, blue eyes, and looked like Lucille Ball. Now, I didn't expect this. The lady says, uh, the waitress says, it's weird that you'd be saying that. Today marks the third year of my mother's passing. I was really upset, didn't want to come to work today. And my mother had beautiful red hair, blue eyes. Everyone called her Lucy. Oh, So then I said, well, listen, I've got one more thing I'm going to tell you, but I'm not planning on giving you a full-blown reading. I said, I'll give you my website Mm -hmm. if you want to just check it out and make sure I'm legit. I said, but your mom's showing me Jacksonville Beach, and as I look at the horizon, it's beautiful and calm, calm, calm water. But then it's like the camera pans down to where the water meets the sand. And as I'm looking at that, it's got a beautiful feel to it, and it's just right. And she said, oh, wow. She said, in my mom's will, it was literally in her will where she wanted her ashes spread Jacksonville Beach, where the water meets the sand. Oh, wow. And they did. And they did. Um, carried a little bit further. You know, I had my meal and all that. I didn't even get a discount, and I thought I might. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. I know. Uh, just uh, So anyway, you know, I leave the restaurant, and she had, I mean, the whole time I'm trying to eat, though, she's in the back room telling all the other employees, you won't believe what this guy did, and they're all walking by and taking a look at me and all, like, who is this guy? But anyway, I go home, and she wanted to friend me on Facebook, and naturally confirmed it, said yes. Then she sent me a whole page of what it meant to her, and she said, I looked up your website. I called all my brothers and sisters and said, you know, it's the third year of mom's passing. It's the anniversary. I want to tell you what happened to me, and I want you to look this guy up on the web. She said, you helped my entire family, which is something I wouldn't have known if it weren't for Facebook mm-hmm. and the message from her. You know, it would have just happened and gone, and that was it. But it really humbled me to think, not only did I help her, but every member of her family, they they felt the love. You know, it didn't hurt as bad. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing now here. I mean, there'll be tens of thousands of people that hear this episode, and, you know, it wasn't 
the mother and the daughter, but just hearing these stories. I mean, to me, Chuck, you've proven your credibility. You're you're good, and you're you care, and um, I think that's why Spirit knows. Let's just keep putting things in front of him because uh, you are one of the good guys, and I really applaud you Thank for you. yeah unraveling the mystery, going on the treasure hunt, and it. This, these stories are much better by people that don't believe in this stuff to begin with. You know, I mean, really are. You know, it has us want to listen. So I thank you. Our time is just about up. Do you have any closing words? Um, anything coming to you that you well, want to you share? Well, you know, you did point out the the one video, and there's a second video uh-huh. on my website that I I love it when people can listen to it. Oh, tell um, me about that. What I did is I took phone readings and and pulled out some of the little clips that I thought were a little cut above the rest of the other readings. Uh-huh. You know, the, the information that'll come through. But the reason I like it on the website, and it's got little visuals of what I was seeing when I would tell the person on the phone line, um, you know, hey, this is what I'm seeing. What does it mean? But if you are a medium and you're listening to this, you're going to find listening to what I put out there, even the small things that you think are not going to go anywhere or don't mean anything. And sometimes I'm even almost breaking into a sweat going, like with this one lady, said, I don't even want to tell her, but all I'm getting is a plain donut floating by. <laughs> so I thought, I don't want to tell her that. But I did. And this woman, I'm not going to say what she did in life, but she was far above being a popular model. I'll put it that way. Okay. Or, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. I want to respect her privacy. And and you, when you hear her, she freaks out a little and says, that was yesterday. I went to the bakery, ordered a plain donut, held it up in the air and said, Mom, I'm eating this for you. Um oh. Because her and her mom, being so glamorous and beautiful, wouldn't need a donut with chocolate on it or anything like that. That was their deal. When they treated themselves, it was always just a plain donut. Oh, wow. So, And she'd done it the day before, knowing that I was going to give her a reading on the following day. But it's a, it was a good lesson. And if you see it, you got to yeah. say it. Because, trust what you get. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to trust it. Oh, Chuck, thanks so much. And also, I just saw on your website, not only can you book an appointment with you, you can pick the time and the date you want with you is that correct oh uh, yeah and that's been working out great because oh, I love you know that. what it does it it disassociates me from the person if if i were to talk to you right now and say what day can you do it and you know we line it up i already start picking up info that i don't want or you may speak something to me and not realize and i've had people do that oh, i'm hoping my son will come through he died in a motorcycle and i'm going whoa 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 those are validations mm-hmm. that i want him to bring out not you yeah. So yeah, it's it's worked out great, and it keeps and it's, that little barrier between us. Yeah, but it's user friendly as far as you know. I've I've thought to book a reading with somebody, and oh, I hear that they've got a year long waiting list or whatever. And with you, it's like, hey, he's got availability. I can scroll through. <laughs> I can pick, and I, I love that. I am retired, and I, I do get a lot of demand. But it's just like when I work my regular job. To me, an agreement is agreement. You know, and I put the days on there. I know I'll be, and I, mm-hmm. and I'm around for that. And it's very rare that I have to call a person or send an email and say, can we bump it one or two days? You know, yeah. it's very rare that'll happen, but I do keep up with it. And I know some people are spontaneous. So I want a reading, but I don't want to wait three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Or six months or a year. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you. I think everybody listening right now does too. Chuck, it's been great. Well, thank I'm, you. I've I absolutely enjoyed it. Sounding yeah, here. the smile you, that you I get it. You've got an ease about you that I love. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Well, I think we'll be friends in the future. That's when in the well, beginning. Let's do. I, yeah, let's why do. not? And when you come down to Daytona, I'll be. I'll even drive down there to meet you. Yeah, thanks. I can meet halfway. 
too. Oh, and for our listener, thank you for taking the time to listen. I I believe it's been a value because I know I use myself kind of as the thermostat to how an episode goes. I want to get value for my life and I want to be inspired and I want to get the goosebumps and I got all of that right now with our guest. Um, just a reminder, our guest today is Chuck Bergman and his website is simply chuckbergman.com. And if you go to we don't die radio.com and click on episode 128, I have the link to his website, his books, and those videos that we were speaking about. And as a reminder, if you go to we don't die radio.com and you click on the insiders club, there's also a bunch of free get goodie, bleh, a f- bunch of free goodies that I give you. And one of them is a copy of my book in PDF form. And if you're interested in reading that, it says there's just a few chapters there, but there's a whole lot more. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And with all of my heart, I believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. Your loved ones are still around. You are more powerful than you can even imagine. You really are a soul having a human experience. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.